Welcome to Business Leaders Podcast. We're here with Charlie Weidman, president of Buddha Logic in Denver, Colorado. I'm your host, Bob Rourke, and today on Business Leaders Podcast, where we interview some of the best and brightest business owners and entrepreneurs in and around the state of Colorado. We talk about the ins and outs of running a business and being an entrepreneur, insights shared by the top business leaders and entrepreneurs in the state of Colorado. We talk about what to do and, as importantly, what not to do about growing, running, or starting a business. On the show today, we're incredibly fortunate to have as our guest, Mr. Charlie Weidman. He's the president of Buddha Logic, a Denver, Colorado-based company with 25 years of experience specializing in enterprise content management and smart process application solutions that produce a return on investment. Charlie, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast. Thank you, Bob. Thank you for having me. Looking forward to uh, sharing. Super. Well, I tell you what, start off. Tell us how, how in the world you get started. Well, I, out of school, uh, graduated from University of Colorado Boulder and was offered a job with uh, Martin Marietta. And they, they started my career in the data processing world. They presented me with a, a PC back in the mid 80s and they weren't sure what to do with it. Uh, pretty much was the size of a desk, but you know, it was a, it was a lot of fun to, uh, to play with it. I developed some of my first applications using some tools that were available at that point in time for a, you know, an IBM XT computer. That started my path down uh, the data world. And as my tenure with Martin, they trained me in a couple different other products. One of them was, or actually both of them were content management products. So what do you do with your documents when they're coming into your world? How do you store them and retrieve them? How do you version them? And so uh, they trained me on a couple products that gave me enough uh, skill sets to start down the road of being an entrepreneur. I uh, worked with the gentleman, in fact, I had hired him or recruited him to help us do a project at Martin Marietta. And a year later, he offered me a job to come out and be employee number two with him in a small company. So that's how I got started in this whole world and uh, have been through several, uh, well, let's just say a very exciting and enjoyable smaller companies that uh, failed. And that was, a, you know, it was sobering and you learned a lot. I also didn't ever want to go back to a larger company. I was getting used to being able to choose what I wanted to do and how I would develop and present it and uh, deliver it mm -hmm. to a client. You know, I, I think about that pivot from large corporate security blanket, for lack mm -hmm. of a better term, mm -hmm. to I'm going to come out with a small company. Take us to that decision process in your mind. <laughs> what did that look like? Well, uh, it, it was an interesting choice. The, the salary increase helped a lot. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I was offered pretty close to twice what I was making to start. I thought, wow, okay. Now, at that point in time, I was pretty young and thought, well, that's great. I didn't realize there were a lot of benefits that were being taken care of by my large corporate family that I now had to do by myself. So that was interesting. However, um, the work itself was really exciting. That was what made it easy, uh, pushed me over the, the, the edge, so to speak, to say, well, let's give this a try. You know, I, I think about in the early years when you're doing that data storage right. and so on, what was that like? in a large corporation trying to get folks to trust their paper documents to storage. Well, and, and coming from that, that big corporate world, Martin focused on a lot of large, you know, these are big contracts. So these companies had lots of paper. The, I, I guess the good news is, is that the company was sold on the process. Hey, we, we're going to help you digitize. We're going to move you from paper into this world. And, and so we didn't have nearly the battle I did when I moved as a smaller company that offered those services because we didn't have the, what's the right word, the branding and the loyalty and that 
recognition that, hey, Martin Marius says we ought to do this. Uh, this is probably where we, where we should go. So, you know, a lot of folks, you know, and you've got the person out there that's maybe in a similar situation. They're in a big company. They have an idea or skill set. And they're going to go, you know what? I think I'm going to go out and I'm going to do this myself. And so you, you've got that, honey, I'm going to go home and talk to my spouse. And yes. maybe she'll still like me when it's all done. Right. And you, you, how did you get your first client? Again, the training that we had with Martin made it very easy for us to... Uh, find other companies, other clients that were needing the same processes. Martin went after a certain tier of client and ignored many, many clients that could have used those services. So we, we, we had a list of people that we could go talk to. And our, our first company uh, was here locally and they did um, survey processing. So you would fill out all these surveys and they would get scanned and we started looking for the marks and okay, you've selected this information. Pre-internet. So, yeah. It, it was all paper-based <laughs> and then you scanned it. You know, yeah. uh, the whole dot-com era was just starting mm -hmm. to take off and those paths hadn't crossed yet web and content really, really hadn't crossed. Well, that was a bandwidth function too. Yes. You know, it couldn't, you know, I remember when fiber optic was being laid everywhere. Exactly. You know, and then of course all those guys went broke and yeah, but we have the fiber optic still. Thank, so thank you. Here we are. Thanks, <laughs> yes. thanks a lot. I'm glad they did that. You know, and, and for the folks who are going, okay, so you guys have process and documentation protocols. What does a, a typical customer look like that you guys service? Well, our, our customers are pretty wide range. We don't necessarily aim at any particular market. Um, content within a business, all businesses have to pay bills. So there's a whole financial accounts payable invoice um, world that you can automate. So we, we can help people and most organizations have that need. Uh, we also can help move paper and processes and transactions around a business. So let's say if I'm in, for example, mortgage banking or in the mortgage loan business, every day there's money that needs to be moved from one account to another. And oftentimes we find there's the sneaker net version of a process. Okay, I know the people who can sign for this amount are in today, so I'm going to take this piece of paper and run it around. It has to be it has to be done, and to the person who logs into Wells Fargo, for example, and logs this transaction by two o'clock. So we're able to look at those opportunities and say, "Hey, let's just put this into an electronic form and pass the information around." So if that person is not in the office and they're at home or they're on their phone, they can take a look and approve that that same request over the phone, or if they're in the office, they just bring up their interface and select, okay, I approve it, or I reject it, and here's why. You know, we, we were talking before the show a bit about a mortgage company, and if you could, take us through the mortgage company before you guys got involved. Okay. And the effect of your process and help, and the after. So typically, Mortgage companies, uh, we, we about 10 years ago started with one mortgage company that was beginning to, they looked at their processes. They have all this paper that comes in the door that's shipped daily to them. It goes to the mail room. It's opened up, sorted, and they wanted to now capture that and digitize it. Instead of stapling and moving these packages of paper to processors who need to evaluate the loan and the analyst looks at it, et cetera, they decided to scan it. So the goal was to take that information coming in, central location, your mailroom, scan all the information into a, a digitized format, recognize what the document is, right? So we took some baby steps. Originally, you put barcodes on them, or you put a separator sheet in between each document. So you could say, all right, 
these next 10 documents are loan applications. And what follows is a title policy. And then there's insurance documents. So you can imagine there was a lot of prep time to get something to be scanned. And that was still a cost savings because now I prepped everything, but once it's electronic, I can distribute it to anybody in my environment, right? So now the processor, instead of going to look through paper, can bring it up on their screen, a couple monitors, and start flipping through and making decisions based on what they're seeing in these documents. So step one was to let's figure out a way to get the information into a electronic format that can be distributed and be stored in a repository where we can then turn on some retention, another really positive effect of doing any kind of content management is now I can start the clock ticking on data that I might be able to get rid of mm -hmm. and not be exposed to legal problems if I'm hanging on to documents that should have been destroyed mm -hmm. X number of years ago. So that was a real positive thing. So we got step one, captured paper, transformed it into here's what it is, and then put it into a repository so it can be accessed. Okay, so then you've got that step, and so for the person listening, it says, okay, I could expect if you came into my organization, right. you know, the first order of business, you're gonna digitize my work. That's really not what you do when you first walk in the door. No, what we usually do is take a look at their process. That's your step one, saying, first of all, what is their goal? Why did you bring us in to begin with? And typically it's that mentality, we gotta get everything out of paper, we gotta get it electronic. And so what we, we typically do is we say, well, that, that's wonderful. Now let's sit down and look at how you're doing it today. And let's make sure your process is sound. I don't want to bring a solution in that mimics a process that doesn't work well. You've spent a lot of money doing the same thing, perhaps a little faster and probably electronic, but not necessarily saving you any money. Might cost you more money. So, so when, you know, so I'm on the organization and I've got a process and I don't know, there's five or six people involved and I'm involved and whatever. Right. So how do you take and go in and analyze the process? What do you, you bring the stakeholders in? What do you do? Typically we start with the business user mm -hmm. and, and then we find out from them where their, where their struggles, their heartburn, mm -hmm. you know, here's, here's why I'm bringing you in because we struggle with this process. Which could be the symptom. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And then we actually whiteboard. Our, our, our method is to sit down as if we're part of their team and we start whiteboarding why we're doing this. Here's the process. Here's where our heartburn is. And ultimately, if we can get rid of that, we've now improved our, our process. And bottom line, we're saving money or we're delivering product faster <laughs> to our customer. Right. So we, we typically go in, analyze the process, and then take a look at the solution set or tools that'll help them get to their goal. So as, as the business owner, and yeah, I've got a pain point enough to the point where I reach out, right. you guys come in and between diagnosis and prescription, right? what's that typical, is there a typical time frame? A lot depends on the size mm -hmm. of the heartburn. Mm -hmm. So uh, giving a, a, a span of time is difficult at times, but typically there's, we like to start with a department that first of all embraces technology. That's a real big important thing. Has a good relationship with their IT department. Um, there can be a lot of stress between business users and owners and the IT department. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the trends I notice starting back in the early 80s is that the IT department drove most of the software or the technology projects. Mm -hmm. Over the last, I would say 10 years, it's now the business owner driving it. Mm -hmm. IT, because of the way that the tool sets are set up, they're really aimed towards a business user. I know my business. IT doesn't necessarily know my business or really care about it. And, and they shouldn't, they should make sure the network's running mm -hmm. and that I have plenty of space to store things and everything's running efficiently and maybe monitoring bandwidth. Okay, that's great. Now the business owner says, here's the functions I need to happen. Just make sure my infrastructure's working all right. 
I'm going to use products that support me. Yeah, you have to be set up for additional storage capabilities, clearly. Right. You know, if you go from not storing all your stuff to storing all your stuff, you know, and there's that estimation as well. Exactly. So the, I guess the pinnacle is taking that group of users, right, and understanding their heartburn and saying, all right, let's put together a, a pilot that says we're gonna we're gonna address your problem, and we're gonna put these three tools in place or X number of tools in place, and and we're gonna say okay, give us a couple months, and we'll run this in parallel with your current process. So, so, so when you guys are contacted by a company, are you typically contacted by the CEO, the CFO, or the IT folks? These days, it's usually the business owner. Okay. And and then they have support from their CTO their CEO. Okay. Uh, sometimes the CFO, in mm-hmm. the case of financial, we're finding a lot of CFO uh, level managers come in and say, we really do need to, we need to save some money here, right? We, we need to take our, our uh, processes and start looking at where we can save money. Do right? they, they perceive they have a leak or do they know they have a leak? They know. They know the process is, is uh, struggling. One of the things that I've seen customers of my clients want visibility into what they're doing. Many of the processes are out there are, I sent you my information, right? Where, what state is it in? When, how do I know what you're doing? If I have to wait two weeks to find out it never got out of somebody's inbox, I'm not gonna be a very happy customer. So part of what we've noticed is that upper management, the C-level people, as well as the business owners go, I need to be able to tell my customer exactly where they are in the process of us handling their transaction. We were talking about a a potential case study. Yes. That um, there were some metrics that you mentioned about a mortgage company. Let's dig into that a little bit. Okay. So I had mentioned that mortgage company where we started with Baby Step. We've got it. Central location, we're, we're processing the paper, it's electronic, we're moving it around. Okay, so right now we're at about 98% paper, 2% electronic that shows up. So the next step is to give incentive to vendors to say, look, you guys no longer have to mail your stuff to us or ship it to us. We're gonna save you, I don't know, $10,000 a month because you're not shipping us paper. All you have to do is send it to this FTP site or you can attach it to an email. Send me the documents that way. So they gave their customers some incentive to save money. Mm -hmm. So now we're shifting into this world of, okay, we went from 95 plus percent paper to the first year it was closer to 60% when they offered it. And then uh, just about six months after that, we were at 98% electronic, 2% paper. And today they're less than a percent paper. Almost everything is sent electronically. You know, I, I think about if, if I'm the business owner of the mortgage company, right. you know, and the typical complaint from, from the person is going like, you know, I send my app in and it goes to a black hole and nobody knows when it's going to be done and my time in the, in the process is forever. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and for you guys, do you have tools within the process to say, our time from in the front door to approval or disapproval is X. Yes. Yes, the service level agreements is. So if we go back to that case study, we, we've, uh, we've taken the paper issue away from people having to deal with paper. Mm-hmm. Now we have electronic information. We've added another layer which says, now I don't have to do anything with the separator sheets. Mm-hmm. I've, I've eliminated all that pre-processing because it's electronic. Now I use software that says, I can tell what kind of document it is, where it starts at where it ends. And then I can present it to a processor to say, yeah, the human is grading how the robot did. The robot says, it's this, I need you to confirm it. So they do that. The next step is we start extracting information off the document. So nobody's entering data. They're looking at it saying, it got it right, computer got it right, or we need to fix it, Mm -hmm. right? So the data now, we're not only figuring out what we've got with our electronic 
um, information, we figure out what we want to extract off of it. Mm -hmm. And then we bundle that all up together and start a workflow, which says, now push it to the different analysts for them to start doing their job. So now the SLA becomes measurable, right? SLA. The service level agreement. Okay. So SLA is, I received your paper at 10 o'clock in the morning, and within 40 minutes, I'm going to get it to an analyst, right? So, and that's our SLA currently for our, our mortgage client is within 40 minutes, those analysts are looking at documents that have come in the door. What do you think it was before? Uh, it was about, okay, back at the beginning, the paper day, it was probably about uh, three days before the analysts finally got it, right? And, you know, so three days to less than 40 minutes. So, you know, I think about, you know, there's this perceived benefit, you know, yeah, I don't have the paperwork hanging around, you know, now I've got this faster, you know, to the processor and the right person. Right. What other things did they discover? Well, storage paper, obviously, right? Mm -hmm. They used to store all these for X amount of time. Now it's electronic. Mm -hmm. they, so they don't have a storage cost anymore. Right. That they freed up an entire floor mm -hmm. of this building that mm -hmm. they could now bring in people to do more processing of loans. So that was a good benefit. Uh, measurable times, right? So you could set goals. Right. Metrics now become real, right? Mm -hmm. Before you kind of were gray about how quickly somebody packaged something and delivered it. Could you, could you get as granular? Let's say you've got person one through five mm -hmm. and number four is perennially slow. slow. <laughs> yes. But you know, is that, can you get that granular? Absolutely. If mortgage paperwork's like every other paperwork, what about compliance to retention and safeguarding of information? How is that dealt with? So, so that's that's the, the the process where when you consider it a record, mm -hmm. and, and that's another benefit of what happens with this is that when I get my electronic documentation, I can do my sorting there. I'm not just putting everything in a repository and then doing something with it, because mm -hmm. then I might be having to uh, retain information that has nothing to do with my business. Mm -hmm. Right. So now I'm able to filter that. And when something becomes a record, when I say it's been through the person who validates the computer did it right, got the metadata or the search data correct, and we put it in a repository, now I can turn on my retention and my compliance clocks that say, all right, from this point on, you have to keep this seven years mm -hmm. or two years or whatever that document types rules apply. And then, you know, so let's say we're at two years in one day and it says this many records are now no longer necessary. Right. Is that automated or is that manual? From That's an automated process that warns whoever is the person who can actually say, yeah, delete Go it. Go and kill it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So they'll, all that. And they have the option to ignore it or they have the option to let's execute it because this is data based on our industry and the rules that we need to follow. I can destroy it. You know, and, and I think about you know, data and pain points. Yes. You know, and you go, really, I've got to fill out what? You know, ask the consumer. Right. And so for you guys, you've attacked the large amount of paperwork management. There are some other areas that seem to be rather large pain points. And, and what is it? Payment side of the house or? Right. So invoice processing, yes. for example. So here's another good use case of taking traditionally a paper-based process and converting it into let's capture all of those invoices into one email box. Let, let's tell our vendors, don't have to send us paper anymore. Send us an email with the invoice attached and any of the supporting documentation you need. Mm -hmm. So now we're collecting that. Again, we apply that same model. I'm going to recognize what I have. I'm going to find out what's the invoice. I'm going to find out the header footer, total line item information extracted. Maybe talk to my ERP system that says, yeah. We, ERP. We, ERP. ER, uh, the enterprise resource planning. So it's like, uh, it's your accounting system that okay. tracks all of your assets. Everything right. from the bill of materials, if say you're manufacturing, bill of materials to, you know, the... Um, the product you're delivering mm -hmm. and and the vendors you work with and you know here's your vendor list and 
what their payment terms are. So the ERP is that kind of that mm -hmm. that nebulous thing that says, here's what I track all my financials with. Okay. Right. Okay. So the invoice process, this capture process takes it, looks at what you have and says, oh, let me check the ERP system to make sure this PO number, purchase order number, mm -hmm. is something we actually did. Mm -hmm. Oh, and I found it. All right, now I'm going to check the line items to make sure what they're billing us matches what they, you know, what they agreed to in mm -hmm. the purchase order. Mm -hmm. And if all that marries up, I can send that right along and get it paid, right? Mm -hmm. But I only have to pay it when it's due because I know that it's due in 30 days. And hey, by the way, if I pay it 20 days, I get a 10% discount. Mm -hmm. So now my system can say, guess what? You get a discount here, so pay it 20 days instead of 30 days when it's due. Mm -hmm. So those are the kind of things that you can put in place that will allow you to take that, what was a paper process and manual authorization and coding, and you'd still had to go look up what, if it was right in the ERP system, mm -hmm. right? So a lot of steps get saved when I can automate that for you. You know, from, from a CFO standpoint, if you look at the before expense versus the after automation expense, yes. what, do you, what percentage savings, if that's even the right way to characterize it, do you usually see? Well, a good way to look at it is what does it cost me today to process an invoice? And the average is right around I don't know, 19 to $20 per invoice if you're doing it manually. Mm -hmm. So I typically go in and say, if you're actually doing a paper process, I'm gonna, I can immediately save you 50%. Mm -hmm. I can cut a $20 invoice down to $10. Mm -hmm. Now, if you're already automated, maybe some of those pieces are automated, I still have the ability to shrink that down another 50%. So typically, and I'm being conservative because you can usually do quite a bit better than that. But you always start a little bit, you know, you, mm -hmm. you going conservative because I don't want to tell somebody, yeah, you're going to shrink your cost by 80% because their process may not support that. And that's part of that. When we land and we first meet with people, we look at what they're doing and saying, if you really want us to duplicate this process, we're, we're not going to be able to help you. So we're not a good fit. Mm -hmm. However, if you can look at ways to improve the process, now we're talking our uh, savings increase increases as you're willing to change your process. Mm -hmm. And that culturally can be a challenge. People like to do things a certain way. You also have to convince your vendors and your customers to take advantage of this new mm -hmm. process that you're implementing. Uh, the mortgage company offering the ability to say, hey, if you send it here, you guys don't have to ship us anymore, mm -hmm. right? I've just saved you how much, right? right. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's a huge, that motivated every one of the customers to go. Yeah, because you look at your FedEx bill any month. Oh. Oh yeah, it's, yeah. you know, you know I, I think about for the CFO, you know, and, and let's say you start it before and your process gets sorted out and you automate your process. Mm -hmm. You know, I think about what level of visibility you know, changes do you see for the CFO now that everything's automated in, I presume, real time? Yes. So therein lies the, the piece that, um, again, another layer. Mm -hmm. So you can think of these things in steps and layers. There's an analytics piece, which says, as I'm processing these, this, these invoices or whatever document I'm processing from, when it comes into the door to when I actually view it, approve it, do what I need to do with it and dispose of it, I start collecting data along the way. So now I can do two things. I can look at how quickly I'm processing the data, the lifespan of that product or that transaction. Mm -hmm. And I can allow people views into, so let's say I have a website for my customers and they wanna go, I submitted this loan, I wanna know where it is in the process. Well, now I can present dashboards that represent that particular user's loan and show them where they're at in the process visually. Okay, it got through the, it got into the door, got to the analyst today, you know, 40 minutes after I delivered it. Okay, and right now they're 
working on approving or, hey, they sent me a notice back that says, hey, I need some additional bank information, you know, or uh, give me some additional job history because we need to check something, that type of thing. So that interactive model becomes elevated because I have all the analytics, I have all the information I've captured, and I can display that publicly to a website for the person logging in and saying, well, you're a customer of mine. I get access to that information for, for my loan. You know, I think about the difference between data and, and intel. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think about as as all the stuff's coming in, it could be sitting in the inbox, could be sitting in the, the bin on the table, and you go, how are we doing on, on invoicing or receivables or any of that? And you go, I don't really know. Yeah. You know, because, <laughs> you know, you get paid when you hit the stack versus you've got this process. And I think about the lending institution that work with the companies that have this in place. Mm-hmm. You know, if they're interested on accounts receivable or aged or, you know, how fast you do it or when's your line working or whatever, I would think that this is extremely important. That accountability, the metrics, how long did it sit in the inbox? And until you can measure that, you're guessing, right? Mm-hmm. You, don't, you can't really predict. So unless you've got somebody watching somebody and timing them, it's not going to happen. But electronically, I know when it hits the door. And if I have a process that's measuring it on... Uh, recording those steps along the way, I, I can give you that information down to the second. I think about, you know, traditionally, I think about warehouses and shipping and that kind of stuff. Right. You know, without necessarily disclosing a client, what's the most unusual business that you've done this automation for that comes to mind? Or prototypical, either oh, way. Oh, uh, yeah. I, I guess um, the probably the mortgage industry and manufacturing okay. are very similar in, in so far as how quickly something needs to get processed, right? So when I'm working with a mortgage company, the process and approval of that loan is huge. That's, right? where, they, that's I, where they make their money. That's where they make their money. Mm-hmm. The, the shorter time they sit on that, the more money they make, and they right? Do. So that's huge. In manufacturing, we found it's not so much, for example, uh, in the invoice processing, and a large manufacturing firm. Their benefit was they could increase the number of vendors that they could process with the same set of people. So my staffing stays the same mm-hmm. as things grow, right? Because mm-hmm. my my funnel is electronic, not paper. I don't have to hire more people to process more. My system does a lot of the intelligence. Mm-hmm. You know what I've got? I've extracted information, I've looked up the information and validated it, and I just identify exceptions instead of watching everything go through. Mm -hmm. So what we found with manufacturing is now I can take advantage of not only not increasing staff and handling more vendors, start taking advantage of uh, discounts, right? So there's a huge savings there in the fact that I know exactly when to pay this to get the most, to save me the most money. Well, I would think too, is if you don't know where it is in the chain, you're, if you're manufacturing, you have a tendency to keep more on hand because you don't know any better. Exactly. So you can order based on the receipts and, and there's a whole industry waiting out there to enjoy more of this automated processing. There's still a lot of paper receivables and things that come in daily in these manufacturings that we've just begun to to touch. You know, the invoice processing is great. And now we're working on how to work with receivables and and bill of ladings and tracking that back to what we've just processed in the invoice. I think about, you know, before we go too far, there's somebody out there going like, man, I need to call you guys because we have those problems. Right. So, you know, before I forget, how do they find you on social media or how do they reach out to you to chat with you? If you do any kind of a Google search on uh, most accounts payable information, we show up there somewhere. But LinkedIn, you know, Buddha Logic is out there. And it's two Ds, right? B-U-D-D or is it B-U-D-H? It's B-U-D-D-H-A. Okay. Yeah. Buddha Logic. And uh, we, you know, we specialize in the, uh, certainly in the accounts payable world. And uh, we've also gotten into digital signatures as well, which Mm -hmm. kind of supports that. Uh, I talked about that process where uh, wire transfers have to be done, you know, eight to 15 times a day and tracking people down. We built solutions that handle all that for you electronically 
and actually put your wet signature on the document rather than, you know, you've seen those signature mm -hmm. things that kind my of- My writing's never that good. Right, that, yeah. that does this cursive thing. Anyway, we use wet signatures. So we okay. built a system that allows you to do that okay. information too. Um, but definitely LinkedIn, our website, uh, you know, www.bootalogic.com. We okay. get a lot of information there. Um, we have a number of case studies and white papers and we have blogs. We also do webinars and uh, we've had a couple of panel discussions. So we have some things out on our YouTube channel that you guys can dial in on. And you guys are national, you're not just Denver. That's correct. Yeah, yeah. we have a number of clients in different areas. One of the, uh, the joys of being in this business is remote work mm -hmm. is possible. Uh, we like to be on site when we're meeting people. You know, it's really important for us to establish a relationship. And I, I don't like to fire clients, but if it's not a good fit, we, we're really happy to just say, hey, it's not a good fit. Right, it, it's real important. We've well, got to be able to make a profound difference. Right, right, and and you got to enjoy what you do. Yes, which is why we're in the business. I wanted to make sure that folks knew how to reach out to you, and that's important. You know, right. and and I think if they're on the fence as to whether they should do something or not, there's no harm in making a phone call to understand. They should reach out and do that. Absolutely, we provide uh, always a, you know a free assessment. You know, mm -hmm. I'll come in and sit with whoever's struggling for a couple hours. What I found is that most of the heartburn that businesses have is very similar. And really the only difference is how they handle that process, right? Where, where they could refine it, make it better. So it's really easy to come in and say, all right, I understand where your struggles are. I think we can help you out. And here's some ideas on how we might do that. For the business owner, and I know the size of the problem dictates the pricing. Sure. But when you look at a business and you go, yeah, I've kind of seen this problem before. By and large, it's about you can give a range of estimates so the business owner kind of knows what to think about. Right. Um, yeah. And, and really what's nice, too, about uh, the products and how things are maturing is the price to automate is coming down. The price to store is coming down. Yes, it, it is. It's just... It, it is a good sign that you can, uh, right now, if you, there's a, we have an option that you can do all your invoicing at per invoice cost online. You know, it's a cloud-based solution. Mm -hmm. So there's alternatives for the very small business that says, you know, I'm not ready to take the big bite and put in a $50,000 system that mm -hmm. takes care of it, right? But it, I only do 400 invoices a month. So let me do it per invoice. So there's yeah. you know, those solutions are out there so you can find that niche. And if you have a, a larger environment where you're processing, let's say, you know, a thousand invoices a, a week. Mm -hmm. Okay, now let's look at how we can help you do that. And justifying that initial cost, which could run, depending on how many users you have, anywhere from 50000 to $250,000 and what you want out of it, uh, we can show very quickly, if I can save you 50% per invoice that you process, mm -hmm. and you're processing 1000 a week, we seem very inexpensive. And it really is, if you look at it that in terms of a year, okay, I just spent $250,000 and I've just saved $750,000. Mm -hmm. So the C-level <laughs> yeah. support you have, look at that and go, Okay, we're we're now we're interested enough to maybe sure. let's take the next step and let's do a an assessment and find out what that looks. You like. know, we we talked uh, around a little bit. What do you think the biggest misconception that potential customers or the industry has about what you do? Oh, that's a good question. I I think it's the fact that they have to turn it on all at once. That's one of the misconceptions, mm -hmm. and I try to correct that right up front. We can take a slice of what you're doing, and we, we're a big believer in <laughs> let's find that friendly department and mm -hmm. let's, let's take a couple of your vendors that are, you know, maybe it's not necessarily your big ones, but ones that you work well with, and let's automate them. Let's show that we can do this in a small fashion, right? Mm -hmm. And then roll it out. We work on selling a platform with solutions on top of it, which is another 
oftentimes somebody will come in and say, we can handle your AP. That's all we do. Well, we say, that's where we'll start. We're going to build this on a foundation. This is after you've seen what we can do with AP, let's go look at your contracting. Okay, let's find on the same platform, let's take a lot of what we've done here and apply it to what you do with contracts, mm -hmm. right? Or digital signature. Now we're gonna handle all of your wire requests or whatever those things that require somebody to approve and pass information around. We're doing it all on the same platform. So you've already invested in the platform. You've paid for the AP solution, but now let's go build other solutions that'll sit on that platform. So that's the other thing. A lot of times they go, well, this is great, but that's just another system I'm going to have to support. You know, I, I think, you know, the, the bite at a time for these guys, you know, all right, you know, and I think talking to the C-suite, we can start here, yep. evaluate, and go yes, no, light switch. And I think that's extremely important for the folks that are listening. Go like, you know, I've, I've had vendors tell me things before. Right. You know, here's an opportunity to take and test it out and make sure. And once you've got proof of concept, then you go, okay, here's the next department. Here's the next department. And here's the next department. Exactly. You know, we, we chatted a while and you were talking about a, a new focus that you guys are heading toward robotic process automation. Yeah. <laughs> that one. So, yes. So this has been around a little while, but it's becoming more um, rich so far mm -hmm. as how it handles processes and um, um, activities that a human typically does. For example, let's say, I need to um, reconcile a bill that's just come in from a vendor. Now, oftentimes, in, for example, the mortgage company we work with, they work with a big vendor that handles a lot of their loan processing pieces. Like there's just, they do a lot of services for them. And each month they get a spreadsheet that has every service item for all of the different accounts they support, right? And it comes in and literally somebody sits down and goes through the spreadsheet and updates another spreadsheet. And that spreadsheet then gets uh, confirmed with some database lookups and then they go in and they have another table that they update. So one person was spending close to a month processing one bill and they got this every month. So it was one full-time employee to handle billing from this one company. Now, granted, they did a lot of things for them, so it's not a trivial task. So introduce uh, a robot to it, mm -hmm. okay? So now what I'm gonna do with this robot is I'm gonna take this spreadsheet that I would normally open up on one screen and open up the spreadsheet I'm gonna feed and start collecting data and entering it in based on what I'm seeing. So this human is what they call swivel chair, Looking at the data here, swiveling over, entering it over mm -hmm. here. So the robot then, the, the tool sets that are available now comes in and says, well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do that for you. You're gonna tell me which cells I'm interested in and where they need to go. So I can automate that entire process. So what we did was we took this, this bill that went in and rather than populating another spreadsheet, again, here's this idea of Let's look at your process. Mm -hmm. Why are we populating another, let's populate a database that now anybody in the company can access that needs to and start getting the data out of it, mm -hmm. right? So we're gonna put it into a central location that can feed everything. So what we did was we took the, the bill that came in in less than 10 seconds, the robot populated the entire database with every service line. And for the guy that's sitting out there going, there's a, I have a robot. <laughs> It's it's a piece of software that yeah, resides. It is. It yeah. is. A, it's not it, the Will Robinson Danger Danger. No, robot. <laughs> no. You can think of it as if you if you go back a few years, it's like recording a macro in an Excel okay. sheet, right? I'm going to do these eight steps, right? And I'm going to record a macro. So every time I hit this button or this key, it does this for me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So in some ways, it's very similar to it's that. It's highly customizable to the keystroke. And it does things such as web crawling, or it'll go out to a web page. For example, part of this process where we're doing reconciliation, the, the person normally would have to go out to the portal for that client, and it'd have to do some lookup on there. 
So now the robot can not only do that, it can log in, it can get that information and populate it. So now I've eliminated not only entering the data into another spreadsheet, I've actually validated that the data is there, exists on that portal, and I can go get additional information from it and continue the process. So that's the data fetch, and then you can create Intel post data fetch. Exactly. And you can scrape. So even if it's a mainframe, and I have, you know, I can log in if it's the old green screen where you have to type in. These tool sets now allow you to do that. Enter the information, scrape what you're looking for. It'll actually parse through the screen and find what you're interested in whether it's a screen scrape or if it's a web page, those things are available to you now. And we're really excited. We're, we're seeing a lot of opportunity in manufacturing as well. You know, for, for the guys out there going like, wow. And in their imagination goes off like mine's going yeah, right now. Yeah, yeah. So what would be a good case study of an application that you've done recently with that? Let's say onboarding for HR department, uh -huh. right? So I've got a candidate and I have a website out there, and you say, okay, anybody who's applying for this job, you need to fill out this information for me and hit submit. Well, now I have a robot that's sitting in the background, grabs that name, says, all right, I'm gonna go check LinkedIn. So it's, it's gonna be me, I, I'm good yeah. old Bob Rourke, okay. and there's 42 Bob Rourkes right. on the planet. God love them. Right. So how does it distinguish between me, Bob Rourke, and Bob Rourke number two? So what it'll do is, is depending on what you're prompted to supply, mm -hmm. right, in the application process, let's say, mm -hmm. it's gonna go out and say, well, I'm gonna go look out on LinkedIn. I'm gonna look, find all the Bob Rourke's mm -hmm. LinkedIn. Then I'm gonna look at their address. Well, that's nothing I can compare to. Maybe there's a email address. Mm -hmm. that, oh, okay, now I'm getting closer. Or there really were 10 Bob Rourke's. I'm gonna let the person know who's gonna end up reviewing this information that there are 10 of them out there and I'll bring all the information associated with all 10 of them back. Okay. So then you can look, you know, it would be great too, uh, you know, eventually visual recognition. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, if you have to supply a, a picture with what your application is, mm -hmm. I can do a visual mm -hmm. look at, okay, here's the LinkedIn photo and here's your photo you submitted. I, I think this is pretty close. This is probably the right guy. Mm -hmm. So part of the robot, not only can you have the intelligence to go find all the Bob Rourke's, mm -hmm. you can probably do a pretty good job of saying, my best guess is it's it's the first or the second one, mm -hmm. right? Based mm -hmm. on other information that's gathered during that application and so, process. You know, you can pull from you know, LinkedIn, Facebook, yep. Twitter. Anything that I can log into and do a search, it can go find that information. Okay. But so, it can't do like DMV. Sure, if you have, so if it's a public website, right, which mm -hmm. DMV should be, mm -hmm. and if you've supplied them a driver's license number, it should be able to go back and pull that information out. In fact, you know, they're, they're getting to the point now where unless it requires your individual password, right, mm -hmm. if it's a site that's public accessible, or maybe you pay uh, for a service that does background, criminal background checks, mm -hmm. and all you need to do is, because I'm an authorized user, that user, the robot logs in as that user and goes and looks at all that information and pulls it back for you. So you're taking that HR staff person that used to sit down and do all this work mm -hmm. and you're letting them do the review. Of doing the, the intelligent portion instead of the grunt part. They become the subject matter expert that says, nah, we just, I don't need to send this to somebody to go take the interview, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. I, I can eliminate that right away because the results came back. Obviously, it's not gonna be a fit, mm -hmm. right? Rather than collecting everything and then determining, I'm going right to, all right, here are the results, send it on, or no, send in the letter saying thank you, but you know we found somebody better. Huh, I mean, I think about the, the applications of that as far as many different industries, mm -hmm. you know, and I would imagine that's going to prompt a phone call or two. Well, I hope so. <laughs> well, we're, we're, we're heading down toward the tail end okay. of all of this. Things that I should have asked you about that I didn't. I think you covered most of them. Uh, I think our core strengths are getting to know the client's process mm -hmm. and understanding where they want to go with the process. What, what is their goal? And then we have a rich set of tools 
as well as knowledge and a lot of things that worked really well and a number of things that fell on its face. So we, we, I think we've had enough bumps and bruises along the way as well as very good success stories and uh, we enjoy what we do. So we bring that to the table no matter who the client is. So in parting advice as an entrepreneur to perhaps some of the other budding entrepreneurs, mm -hmm. any parting advice or guidance you might offer? Be patient. You know, that's, that's a huge thing. Um, make sure you enjoy what you're doing because you're going to spend a lot of time doing it. I, that those are my two big, you know, I'm really happy. I enjoy what I do because there's hours that go by. And so those are, those are important and uh, surround yourself with people you like to work with. You know, Charlie, I really appreciate you taking the time today out of your busy schedule. And uh, we have Larry Matthews here in the, the interview with us too. And yeah. he ramrodded all this for me. So that's I know. cool. Thank you, Larry. <laughs> Uh, we're, we have a couple things coming up. One is a um, uh, kind of limited seating okay. business process and automation. I call it a workshop demonstration coming okay. up the 18th of January right. uh, in Cherry Creek at the Office Evolutions. And mm -hmm. it starts at four o'clock. Um, the information's on our website. Please feel free to check in. I think it would be helpful for anybody who's maybe thinking about doing this or is on the edge, or I think we can give them some good general um, ideas of how to approach it and maybe how to present it to your, your management, right? Because a lot of times people struggle with how do, how do I go justify what I'm doing? So we like to be able to give you tools that'll help you do that. You know, and for the folks that may be listening after January 18th of 2018 to mm -hmm. the podcast, right. um, first thing is you missed is if it's after then, right. but reach out and go on the website and see what you can do. And there may be another one coming up or they'll be able to watch a webinar or a video to take and go over the same topic. But I appreciate you bringing that to my attention and folks. Yeah. If you got time, sign up and let them know. Thank you so much. I really appreciate the opportunity to, to be here, Bob. It's been very enjoyable. Hey, I, I appreciate it. It's been fun to, to learn things I had no idea about. That's very cool. <laughs> so thanks so much.